Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you pulling your chair up to the cool kids table where we interview entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and business leaders about the cool things that they're doing in business. You know, I talk to people who listen to the show and a lot of people are entrepreneurs. Others sort of have this desire that they want to either go out and start their own business or they just want to live a life inside their job with more of that entrepreneurial flair. I found that in our society these days, we admire the entrepreneur, and a lot of people think, well, that's not me. But the reality is any of us can be entrepreneurial. We all can have those traits, no matter if our name is on the door of the company or if we're working for somebody else. And that's what we like to talk about here on this show. I like to bring on really interesting people who are doing cool things and have them share their experiences, their advice, and their ideas so that maybe it'll give you a little spark. If this is your 300th episode, we are well over 300 now, or if this is your first time listening in, welcome, and I hope you walk away a little bit inspired, because today's guest is going to do just that. I had the good fortune of being able to join our guest at a dinner party recently when we were at a conference. The conference did sort of what's called a dine-around, where they basically assign you to a group who they know aren't the people in the organization who you run around with every day, and they send you out to a restaurant, and they leave you to your own devices as far as where the conversation goes. And sometimes those impromptu conversations that happen at conferences are really great. And I think we scored out of the 15 groups that went out to dinner, I think our little group of six had the best because uh, it was all new people and we had a lot of fun. And Diane DiResta is doing really cool things. So she works with business leaders who want to speak with impact and influence. And she takes good speakers and makes them great speakers. And I'll tell you, I find all the time when I talk to people out in the business world, so many people are scared to talk or they don't have that confidence that what Diane does is really important. You know, she might work with people like me, with professional speakers, but her core is also working with people who are in the business world who have to go out and give a speech. And if you blow it, that really hurts your reputation and brand. So she's there to lift people up and make sure that they're going to make a wow impression. So Diane, welcome to cool things entrepreneurs do. Well, thank you, Tom. And I didn't realize that I was a cool kid who's doing interesting things. So thanks for the new branding. That's right. You got to pull your your, your chair up to the cool kids table today. I do. Well, I was at the cool kids table at our CSP Summit Dine Around. So yes. That's where we met. And that was great. Yes. And, and I've actually, that wine that the one guy picked, The Prisoner, I've actually oh. bought it. I bought a few bottles of it and gave it as gifts at Thanksgiving. It was really good. And that good. was Napa Valley, I believe. Yes. Yeah. It was called, by the way, if you want a good wine, it's called The Prisoner. And uh, I gave them out at Thanksgiving to we we did a trip with our family and ended up staying at a couple different people's houses and visiting different folks and that was my gift for everybody was was that wine because it was so good. Well, Tom, let me assure the listeners that you don't need to have wine in order to have confidence on the platform. <laughs> although a lot of people think that that is a remedy, and no, it is not. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a book called Knockout Presentations, which I'm revising for 2018, and that's one of the things I advise against. There are so many different things that you can do. In fact. 
I did a follow-up. I have an ebook called Give Fear the Finger, How to Knock Out Fear of Public Speaking. <laughs> I love and I, I got hundred- to jump in. Wait, the book is called <laughs> Give Fear the Finger. If you yes. met Diane, you would never expect that to be no, the title of not. her book. I am so refined and it's, it's so not who you would think I am. But, you know, I do live in New York. I'm from New York and, you know, it gets into your blood. So I'm here to say that there is hope for everyone. And I'm also here to say, Tom, that speaking is the new competitive advantage. So you cannot avoid the skill anymore. I don't care who you are. Yes, I do work with leaders and senior leaders. I have worked with people like you, professional speakers and entrepreneurs. But my core is in corporations and more and more. If you don't know how to present yourself, you're going to be losing opportunities. And so much today is about executive presence and creating a a sense of confidence on the platform, even if your platform is a table. So people need to have this skill. And I make it simple. Let me tell you the simple formula. I call it yam. And it plays well during Thanksgiving because I ask (laughs) people, how is public speaking like a yam? And nobody ever guesses it. What they usually say is, because I don't like it, but that's not the answer. (laughs) That's a good answer. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good answer, and it's the most common one. The answer is it's a formula for everything you need to know about public speaking. Know yourself, know your audience, and know your message. It really is that simple. So when I work with people, whether I'm speaking on a platform to groups or whether I'm working one-on-one in coaching, we first look at you as a, a package of skills. You need to be authentic, and you need to be who you are. Otherwise, you're not going to have impact and you're not going to create trust. Secondly, you need to know who you're speaking to, the audience. So you've got to tailor your message and do your research up front. And then finally, what is your message? Being crystal clear, having laser-like focus, and then using the rule of three. Three items, three agenda items, three benefits, three main points. And that helps your listener to understand your message. So how did you get into this line of work? I mean, did you like come out of college and said, I am going to coach people on how to speak better? Or did you have no. sort of a, did you have sort of a corporate job in the beginning? No, I was actually a speech pathologist. I went to Columbia grad school and I worked for eight and a half years in the Brooklyn schools, working with children who had speech and language handicaps and needed development and work. And I have the scars to prove it. No, <laughs> just kidding. But after that, I wanted something more. There wasn't a career path. So I started working with a consulting company doing stand-up presentations. And that was my foray into business. Then I went to Solomon Brothers doing management training. And my last full-time job was assistant vice president at Drexel Burnham, recruiting MBAs for the trading floor. Wow. So that's kind of an interesting path. Let's talk about that. How does one sort of start off as a speech pathologist and then end up at Drexel in such a major role? I mean, that's a that's an interesting that's an interesting role that maybe someone wouldn't have thought when you started out that that's where you'd end up. No, and I didn't plan it. I didn't plan to have my own business, although I always talked out loud and said I should be working for myself. So it it just happened that I got laid off because there was a big market crash in Solomon Brothers. And because I had been networking, there was an opening in Drexel, and I was fortunate enough to get that job and started doing recruiting. But I realized at that point, I did not like the culture of Wall Street. I did not like what it was. So I left, and I started freelancing. And so here's how I did it. I remembered the salesperson at Solomon Brothers who used to sell training programs. And I said, hey, Phil, can you introduce me to the company? I want to do training for them. And so that was what, how I started I started freelancing. I would do sales training. I would do outplacement. 
And at a certain point, I said, I don't want to do freelancing. I want to be an expert. So I started to narrow down. And today, the three buckets are public speaking presentation, which is the executive presence piece, interpersonal skills, which can be anything from facilitation, listening, assertiveness. And then the third bucket is media training. So I've done that with NBA, WNBA, uh, the USGA. I've worked with authors and superintendents. But it's all about showing up more powerfully. So if you said, what is your mission? What do you think you were born to do? It's to empower people through the spoken word. And that has been consistent throughout my career. So let's look at your business today. Who would you mm-hmm. say is sort of your core client? Like if, if somebody was sort of that, what they call in the podcast world, your avatar, what is the, like if you were designed, this is who I should be working with. What, what does that client look like? Who you serve the best when you show up whole? On a one-to-one, that would be a senior executive. It could be male or female, but they're usually a senior executive, pretty high up, anywhere from senior VP to the C-suite. And they are giving a lot of presentations. It may be women who need to up their game. It may be someone like a CHRO, Chief Human Resource Officer, who didn't have the polish that he needed to speak to the board. So those are the types of people on a coaching level. And on a speaking level, sales groups are a very good fit for me because of the energy and because they need to give a lot of presentations. So you mentioned that you know you left Drexel and and you mm-hmm. sort of started freelancing, but what and you and that earlier on and I mean we all did this who work for ourselves for years. It was like oh my boss is an idiot. I should work for myself. And you said that you sort of had that I should be working for myself thing. Mm-hmm. But what really led you? What was the thing inside of you that led you to be able to walk away from Wall Street and become your own business? Well, layoffs. So I tell people you don't want to follow my career path because what happened, Tom, is the universe kicked me out. First, uh, my first job at the Board of Education, about six months into it, I was laid off. They've never had teacher layoffs before. Second one was when I went to Wall Street and I was working at Solomon Brothers and that was the big market crash of October 19th. And then we know what happened to Drexel Burnham. So yeah, I, I would say to my husband, you know, I should work for myself, but I don't think I have enough experience. I don't think I know enough. And he'd say, you know enough. You have enough experience. Mm-hmm. So it was a big confidence thing. So I kept freelancing, but I was always focused on finding a training manager position. And two years later, I found one and I got a job offer and I turned it down <laughs> because my heart wasn't in it. And that was the turning point when I knew I was going to be doing this. But again, I had no training. I had no experience, no business plan. And uh, it was really seat of the pants. So the story is really common. I've interviewed almost 300 people now and on this show and many, many more just sitting around having beers and wine. (laughs) And one of the things I hear from people all the time is they didn't set out a plan to get to where they are. Mm -hmm. Life just sort of happened around them, but they were opportunistic. When it happened, they didn't run from it. And that, you know, same thing with me. I got laid off April 1st, 2009 from a corporate marketing job for a consulting firm and there were no jobs. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to be a speaker. I'd spent close to a decade. I'd written a couple books. You know, I told people, oh, I want to be a professional speaker. And I idolized these people who are now my friends in the National Speakers Association and said, I want to do what, what they do. And it just sort of, you know, one day I got laid off and there were no jobs. And I said, well, I'm going to go try this. And also two years later, once the bit took me a long time to get it going, but two and a half plus years later, when the business got going, people started calling going, are you ready to come back to a corporate marketing job? And Mm -hmm. my answer was, no, No. I'm going to keep going down (laughs) this path. 
I get it. You know, I have to tell you that in 2001, 9-11, I was wiped out. And I, I'll tell you very honestly, I remember my January income was $600 gross. My February income was $1,000 gross. <laughs> so you might wonder, why didn't I get a job? It never crossed my mind. Never crossed my mind that I would get another job. And I've, I've had to ride through the recession, through 9-11, through all of that. And the, the best advice I would give anybody is two words, cash reserves. And that is why I've had longevity in this business. Well, you know, you bring up sort of after 9-11, and you live in New York, so the, mm-hmm. the business world was doubly hit if you were in New mm-hmm. York. And yes. then, you know, being a trainer and, and, and a person who does coaching and stuff like that, that's some of the first stuff to go. And then, of course, the recession hit me, too, in 2008, 2009. And, you know, so you have, because you've been doing this in that amount of time, mm-hmm. you have that resiliency. And, and mm-hmm. obviously, cash reserves are important. What else is it about uh, longevity that allows you to to sort of navigate the ups and downs. Is there anything? You have to really love what you do. Yeah, that's and what I want you know, and and I don't know any entrepreneur who doesn't because if they don't, then they just start a new business. <laughs> but you have to love what you do. For me, it's almost like a calling. It, this is what I do well and what I love doing. And you, you need to be adaptable and always educate yourself. You have to be a lifelong learner. So you know we're always going to conferences and classes and podcasts, and you have to get yourself out there. There's not The, the only security is your networking net. And what I've realized over the years, Tom, is that even though people had a paycheck during 9-11, so they didn't quite understand how I was feeling, there is no security anymore. And you know, your network is your security. You you can lose a job very easily. So sometimes I feel having your own business is more security. Uh, well, I, I, I feel that way. And one of the things that I just have started marketing, I haven't done it yet, but you know, I've been teaching people. I mean, I started my business teaching people how to connect better, how to network, mm-hmm. how to be engaged. And it was so funny because people who were professional speakers back in the, the early 2000s when I was starting this and maybe one foot in the water, they were like, oh, you know, there's too many people who speak on networking. You'll never make a good living speaking on it. Mm-hmm. And, and what I did is I just twisted it around and I became the conference catalyst and I've made a great living at it. So part of it is you got to like what you do. You got to be an expert in what you do and you got to give it your own spin. But, mm-hmm. but the new thing I'm talking about that I've just started talking to clients and actually associations are a little bit excited about it is how do you recession proof your career? Because, you know, yes. everybody everywhere we go, including the conference you were at, some really smart people are saying 2008 could be coming again. It could be three right. months or it could be three years. But I think that associations need to be working to help educate their people on what can they do. And, and the stuff I'm an expert in is already one piece of it. So, you know, what you bring up is really interesting because it's, you know, it's that resiliency. It's loving what you do. It's having that network in good times and in bad. I think right. that's and your also, secret weapon. If you, rem- if you remember, they said one of the ways to recession proof your business was to, ha- to work across industries and to have other programs and products. So we always have to be reinventing. <laughs> so Diane, you have been doing this for a long time. What is it that mm-hmm. you love about working for yourself? I mean, you know, there are ever days you say, no, I should have stayed on Wall Street. No. <laughs> so what no. do you love about it then? I, I love the freedom and the independence because that's my top value. I need to be my own boss. I, you have a better opportunity to design your life around what you need. For instance, when my husband was going through triple bypass, you know, 
you, you navigate. And if you have a job, you can only take so much off, time off and you're going to lose your job. Whereas, yes, I will lose revenue, but I won't necessarily lose my business. So I love what, what the entrepreneurial life allows you to do. It's that freedom and that variety. I meet so many different people like you, so many different industries. I, I've, tr I've spoken in four, on four different continents. It's very exciting. And I don't have anyone saying, well, I shouldn't say that. There are people who say, no, we're not going to hire you. But I'm not locked in. My biggest stumbling block is my own resistance. I don't have any reason to not do what I want to do. So that's what's really exciting about it. And one of the most common answers to that question from everybody I talk to is that freedom and that independence. And I know it resonates with the listeners because when people do communicate with me, they always, who especially who are in a corporate job, who are listening to a show like this because they want out of the corporate job, they mm -hmm. always ask me questions about, is the freedom and the independence real? And, and, and I say yes, but it also comes with the fact that you have to worry about it every day. I joke that yes. my business should be called Sisyphus. Because <laughs> every morning I wake up and push the yes, rock to the top of the hill. Yes, yes. And every morning I wake up and that rock is outside my door again and I got to push it back up. So there are sort of those, those, those heavy pieces that come with it. But I think for me, and it sounds like for you, if you put it on the scale, you know, it tips to the freedom and the, and the independence. Absolutely. Outweighs it. And you know what? You can fire your clients. So if you <laughs> really don't like working with someone, yes, you might lose the money, but you have that choice. And sometimes that's the choice that you make. So it's not like having all of your eggs in one basket. So you know, that's one of the things that I love about it, the ability to be free, to have variety and, and more opportunities. So if someone's listening to the show and they're saying, yes, Diane is speaking to me. That is what I'm looking for. And you already touched on some advice, but what advice would you give to somebody who says, yeah, I, I want to go. I want to leave. I want to start my own thing, carve my own path. What would you tell them to do? All right. So I will tell you one of the mistakes I made is I was too general. And I would say if I had to do it again, I would be more focused and have a narrower target market. And that's what's going to help people be more successful. Just like you said, you're the conference, not planner, conference, conference catalyst conference catalyst. Okay. So that's different from saying networking because networking is a commodity. So when you can find that positioning that's unique and a narrower market, you're going to have a lot more success. So for instance, if you are targeting men 45 to 55 who do fly fishing, it's so much easier to find that group and to talk to that group and to market to that group than if you are more broad or more general. So I would say that's one thing to think about. And that is such good advice because the truth of the matter is, is you know, whether you're a speaker or you're a coach or you're a consultant, there are so many people out there that mm -hmm. you don't have to sell to all of them. You know, I, I only can speak 50 to 100 times a year. I mean, I think this year I'll hit 80 which is a record for me and it's great and I like the money and I like the travel and I like all parts of it, but I, I couldn't do 160. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just physically not possible and, uh, you know, especially because I do MC work and so some of those are multiple days. Plus, my wife and kid like me home once in a right. while. Yes. So, you know, there's there's a limit. So I, I, I look at it this way. It's like, you know, there's something like 50,000, you know, events a week that hire speakers somebody figured out and it's like, I only need one. <laughs> <laughs> I only need one or two. So it's it's really, you don't have to market to everybody. So your idea of niching is really smart. Yeah. And uh, as, as I said earlier, you can design your life. So you don't have to be a road warrior if you're a speaker. You can do a combination of coaching and consulting and speaking and products. and you Or you can look at more local markets. I do a lot of my work in the New York metro area because it's a large market. I don't have to be constantly on a plane. 
And I looked at my numbers this year and it was more 60% coaching, 40% speaking. And I, I want to twist that a little bit more in favor of speaking for 2018. So you can make those decisions. No one's making them for you. So that's what's great. What's not great if you're in a corporate market is you're still dealing with bureaucracy. So it's hard to get paid. I don't know if you've had this experience because it's different if you're doing a keynote, you usually get your check that day. But if you're dealing with a corporate structure, you have to wait. 30 days is a good payment. And sometimes it's 60 and some people have 90. And, uh, you know, our bills, our, our mortgage is due in 30 days. Our credit cards are due in 30 days. So that's one of the things that's really hard. And there's a lot of compliance issues today that weren't true say, 10, 20 years ago. So it, it's getting through that. That makes it a little bit difficult. So I've got a few more questions for you. I'm mm -hmm. not going to let you go yet. But first, okay. I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Diane DiResta. <laughs> hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, I can't sing the praises of Podfly enough. They're the best vendor I've ever worked with in the almost nine years I've had my own business. They have been fabulous to work for at every turn, and you can find out more about them at podfly.net slash cool things and you can check out the offer for the listeners uh, that they have for the listeners of this show so diane i called the show cool things entrepreneurs mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. what is the coolest thing that you're doing with your company right now well there are a few things that i'm excited about i just developed a one-day facilitation skills training now why did i do that because a client came to me and said are, we have scientists and they're great teachers and lecturers, but they can't engage an audience to save their lives. And I've discovered that at NSA, National Speaker Association. There are many keynoters who do not know how to facilitate groups and meetings. So I did that and uh, I'm excited about doing more of those. I'm also like, I think you're a member of C-Suite Network. I'm not sure, but I'm a C-Suite advisor. Yeah, I'm not, no. but I know them very well. They're awesome. Okay, so that's Jeffrey Hazlett's group. And because I focus on C-Suite executives, it's exciting. And December 4th, I believe there's a conference in New York and I'm going to be doing a five minute talk on perfecting your presence. So I'm excited about that. Another thing is I've been doing more virtual coaching. Now I had a resistance to that at one point because I said, well, presentations, they've got to be in person, but not necessarily. So I love Zoom and it does great things. So now I have a, 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 an engineering company and I'm working with people from the West Coast, from Texas and from India, and it's working really well. So I, I, I'm enjoying that. But the other thing that I'm excited about, which has not hit yet, is I might have a licensing deal for 2018 where a company will uh, will, will license my product. So they will do, I will do a train the trainer for them so they can do my in-house knockout presentation skills seminar. And that would be with video. So fingers crossed that they'll be able to sell that internally because I that would be really cool. Oh, Again, all, then, then you have some passive income. And all of that sounds great. I want to back up to your one-day facilitations training mm -hmm. class. Is that like a public class that you offer? Is that something that companies bring you in for? Or, or what is yeah, that? It's, it's corporate. Most of the time I'm brought in-house. So I haven't really done many public seminars. It's a different model. 
I, I'm not saying I wouldn't if I had the interest, but I'm not going to go out there and look so, for those people. I, I would have signed up for it. I do a lot of facilitation, but I've never had proper training in it. And people say I'm really uh, good. People say, oh, you're such a good facilitator. And I'm like, oh. I don't know why. So I was like, I was like, when is it? I'll fly to New York. I'll do it. Okay. All right. So we've got one signed up. You got up. one signed up. That's right. You nine, got your first nine person. Nine more and I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I love to talk to people about what they're doing in their business and the cool mm-hmm. things that they're doing to thrive. But I also love to find out who entrepreneurs admire. Because here's the deal. We could talk about Diane all day long. You're doing amazing stuff. You've helped mm-hmm. so many people to find their presence and do the stuff that, that they do so well. But I love to ask the question, who do you admire? What entrepreneur do you see where you think, wow, he or she, they're doing something cool? There's more than one, but let me give you a few of them. One of them you know, Leah Woodford, it has a TV show on the C-Suite Network. And she was in Phoenix. She couldn't get this program sold. She met Jeffrey Hazlett, and now she's doing this show where she's interviewing high-profile women who are successful. And one of the people she interviewed was Erin Brockovich. So oh, congratulations wow. to her. I think that was great that she took it and ran with it. But another thing that's interesting is fashion and technology are coming together. And there's a woman named Sandra Galt, G-A-U-L-T. Her company is True Galt. And what she's doing is creating custom shoes so that women can wear four-inch high heels and be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And the way that she measures your foot is you do it on your iPhone. So you could do it yourself. You send it in. And then when she has the measurements, you look online, you choose the style, the color, and they send it to you. And so I have two pairs already. I think that's phenomenal. And uh, there's somebody else. Her name's Tammy, and I can't remember her last name. But she has an app called Presenter. And I now have all of my clients download this app on their phone. And what it does is you speak into the phone, you give your speech, two minutes, whatever. And then it, uh, what does it do? Oh, it gives you the analytics. So you get to see what your speaking pace is, your volume, your flow. We're using ums and ahs. And it's a great tip or technique and a great tool. And so when I'm not there, they have a way to practice. Oh, that's so I love that's that. awesome. What a, what a cool app. My daughter just did a TEDx talk, and I would have loved ah. to have had that app when she was practicing. Although, to her credit, a friend of mine watched it online and said, she's 15 and there were no ums and ahs. And I said, wow. yeah, she was pretty she well, was pretty good with that. But, but it would have been great because we were trying to work on her with the pacing because yes. she, she had about 10 minutes and she was flying through it. And uh, we were trying to get her to learn to pause and slow down. So that would have been an awesome app It would to have. have been perfect for that. And you know, the other thing I like, if you notice, a lot of millennial entrepreneurs are very focused on giving back and they give a percentage of their profits. So I was thinking about this and there are two organizations that I really like. One is Kiva, Kiva.org, oh, yeah. K-V-A. Love, Ki- love Kiva. And, and yeah, those are loans that you can donate to people so they can start a business. There's World Vision. And there's a company called Heifer, H-E-I-F-E-R, where you can, for $25, a family can get a flock of chickens that can lay eggs. So you're helping with these farm animals for people to have businesses and food for their families. And so for $25, anybody can be a philanthropist. So I think that's really cool. Well, and that segues into my next, my next question. I love to ask everyone who comes on this show, what is it that they do? to give back to the greater good. Cause I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, we want to make money. We want to be mm-hmm. successful, but I think it's about more than that. So what do you do? 
Well, what I, I will be donating to some of those organizations, but one of the things I did a number of years ago is I started a confidence class for girls. And it was middle school girls, seventh and eighth graders. They were in the community of Staten Island. Never planned to do this, but a mother begged me. So I did it. And we met for eight weeks over weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. And we ran three groups over a period of time, period of years. And some of these girls really excelled. One of them who was really nervous, this was the mother who called me, it was a cold call from her. She had trouble standing up in front of her class. By the time she finished, she gave a reading in her church in front of 100 people. Another girl accepted an award for her, her grandfather who was at a legal society and she stood and talked in front of 800 lawyers and got a standing ovation. So there were some real successes there. And on the third one, I don't remember how many years out it was, but the third daughter of the mother said, would you do it when my last daughter is in eighth grade? I said, sure. And I said to the first daughter, who is now in college, would you come and say a few words so these girls are encouraged? She came and she wrote a whole speech and said how helpful it was to her and how she still uses these skills today in her job. She's 21. Hmm. It was just so, so rewarding. So that's the kind of thing that I've done to give back. I don't have the time right now to do those, but. But that's awesome because that has forever effects on people that you'll never even know how you helped those girls. So that's That's awesome. That's true. Yeah. Well, Diane, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your, your wisdom and your experience. If somebody's listening to this and, and they need to know more about you, maybe it's because they need some presentation skills coaching, maybe there's something else you said that really resonated, how do they find you? The best way is my website, deresta.com, D as in David, I, R, E, S as in Sam, T as in Thomas, A.com, and go to my YouTube channel because I have over 100 videos that will help you youtube.com forward slash Diane DeResta. Awesome. Awesome. So check that out, everybody. You can go to DeResta.com or youtube.com slash Diane DeResta, and you are going to find so much information. It's going to drive you crazy. So go check it out. Hey, Diane, again, thank you for being on the show. And to everybody who tuned in and listened, I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for being here. Whether it's your first show or number 309, we appreciate you being here because uh, that's why we do this show. It's not just for me to learn. It's for everybody to be part of a community and hear from these great entrepreneurs who are doing cool things. Hey, I'm going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Diane. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.